You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Did you grow up thinking how much cooler life would be if you could fly around a giant mech suit? Did you grow up thinking things like, man, dinosaurs and robots are just the coolest? Well, today we are going to be talking about that and so much more. This is Systematic Geekology, which means we are, in fact, the priests to the geeks. And today we are going to be talking about a little show called Gundam Wing and jumping into the ridiculous continuity that is Gundam Wing. For all of this geeky goodness and so much more, you can find us on Facebook. Join our community, our group over there. You can check us out, systematicgeekology.org or patreon.com slash systematic geekology if you would like to help us keep the lights on there are tons of bonus materials over there for you guys i am joe i am one of the hosts here at sg i am a broadcaster podcaster and recently my wife and i jumped back into x-files uh, it's one of those shows that I suggest if you're gonna watch, take it in take it in in bite-sized portions. You know, find something else that you can kind of pepper it, pepper it into because it is it is definitely a '90s show for better or for worse. It is definitely a '90s show. All right, I am TJ. I am also one of the hosts here on Systematic Ecology, uh, Chipotle Wage Slave, all that you know. Uh, I've recently been getting really into Apex Legends. Uh, just growing up, I didn't have the chance to get, you know, like the competitive online gaming, and I'm really into it now. And it, it's fun to find out how bad you are at things. So, I've had a yeah. Great if you time. ever need an opportunity to just be humbled, pick up cold Apex Legends. You will be humbled and realize how bad you are at some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think like pointing and aiming at something is pretty easy uh, until you're shooting at a guy who's moving at like Mach 3 left to right and up and down and it's a crazy yeah. game. Great game. Yeah. Definitely. So like you mentioned at the, at the top, we are talking about Gundam Wing. And for those of you that are uninitiated... Gundam Wing is a franchise that kicked off in the 70s with multiple different timelines, um, a variety of different shows and movies and different things like that. Uh, It saw its first major foyer into the U.S. market in the 90s with Gundam Wing and... It's one of those shows that I'm not going to lie. I was really excited to hear that you were into this, this IP because it's one of those things that really registers with people that are, how do I say, of a certain vintage. 
when you know when you talk talk about '90s kids and and you know you talk about growing up with with cartoons and things like that. This is really there. There's a certain age bracket that you generally find interested in this, and so I didn't exactly hold out hope that there would be anybody super into into this, but it's cool to take a trip down memory lane because this is the kind of thing to give you an idea that Gundam wing is what got me into things like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. And really opened the door to at least the first steps that I took into the, into animation and Japanimation and things like that. Yeah, I was, uh, I was about one when Gundam wing was on Toonami. Yeah. So, you know, but growing up, I was watching like Inuyasha, Naruto, uh, Dragon Ball Z, all of that on Toonami, Samurai Champloo, Cowboy Bebop. You know, I have to give respect to the old Toonami legends at some point. You know, just had some friends that were into the older stuff in high school. And they're like, hey, man, you should watch Gundam Wing. And I was like, OK, sure. Yeah, I watch anything I get asked to watch usually. So. Checked it out. It's great. Uh, not a lot more you can want than, uh, as I've said before, almost, to paraphrase myself, giant robots just fighting other giant robots. Sometimes that's all you want. And uh, Gundam Wing actually does a good job, in my opinion, of giving us m mostly that. But while it's not as deep as other Gundam projects, I feel, it is still there with, like, the political complexity that the series is known for. So if you're unfamiliar with Gundam Wing, basically we have moon colonies. The Earth is now the United Earth Sphere Alliance. And that goes on for almost 200 years. And the moon colonies are under great oppression from the Alliance. Uh, and they get tired of that after about 175 years, I want to say. And they're like, well, this is this is going to stop. This has to stop. Uh, they killed the moon colonies, you know, political pacifist leader. That They leave that there for a little while. And the moon colonies create the most advanced giant mech suit fighting robots that anyone has ever seen. And send five of those pilots down to Earth to destroy the source of the Earth Sphere's military oppression on the moon colonies. And it's great. It's really good. And they do that thing where every protagonist, you know, has a, a love interest with someone else in the show. And it's just the classic mid nineties Japan thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting to me because I'm very much the type that, I will go out of my way to avoid plot points like politics and that sort of um, governmental drama and things like that. I am the type of person that I am. I am well aware living, living in America, how screwed up politics are, how screwed up government is, all of this kind of stuff. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in any, I'm not inferring anything. I mean, all of it universally, just a giant dumpster fire. And so 
for me, going back and watching some of the material, I wasn't as put off as I thought I might have been by it centering around, you know, geopolitical sort of, you know, power machination sort of sort of story beats, especially when you consider the um, so, so in the real world timeline of the series that came out right before this one came out, they had gotten away from that politicized sort of approach to storytelling and did a series that was more of like a martial arts sort of sort of series where a lot of it was that very inspired by um kung fu movies and the popular ips of the time and things like that and i watched a couple of episodes of that one and you know being a being a martial artist i kind of figured oh yeah okay this this totally makes sense it's robots it's martial arts cool it just mm, seemed more aimless i guess is a good way of putting it than with with this sort of sort of storytelling so for better or for worse even though it uses that as a story beat it helps keep the actual complexities of the story on the rails enough that it's more than just giant mech suits banging against each other sort of thing if that makes sense yeah yeah that's to get to the point where it is just John Mexuits banging against each other, I'm still probably going to watch that series, but I'm not going to remember it, really. I'll probably have to go back and rewatch it a few times just to see cool robot fights. All right. I think Gundam Wing does really well the use of geopolitics as just the reason that this is happening. Just enough for us to know like they're not just giant robots fighting. You know, this is an oppressed society trying to overthrow their oppressor. And that's there just enough. They don't harp on it for you to say, all right, this is this is good. There's a reason behind the giant, awesome robot violence. Yeah. And man, it is awesome robot violence. It really is. And you talk about some of the most stunning animation especially for its time i really think that all in all and especially once you extend out into endless waltz that you have some of the most stunning work when it comes to those kinds of things especially in comparison to some of the other animation of the time like there was some cool stuff happening but at the same token, you look at some of that, some of that stuff, and it, you can definitely see its dated, its datedness to it. Like it, there's a blockiness to a lot yeah. of the animation that's coming out at that time that just doesn't exist with Gundam Wing. It's just way more fluid, you know. Yeah, and it's they they do love that art style Gundam wing, I think it's the one that really popularized like the blocky robots with like the V wings, the samurai helmets. It's awesome. It looks mm -hmm. so cool. And it's surprisingly fluid for a series that came out in 95. I think it yeah. was 95. 
95, yep. And yeah. It just looks awesome. It feels vintage, but not to the point where you're suffering through it to enjoy it. You know, you're not just paying respect to it because it's old. You're paying respect to it because it looks awesome. Right, right. I put, so I equate myself, uh, I, I equate these thing, the this series with like Dragon Ball, the original Dragon Ball, right? It's It's definitely dated. You can tell that it is an older show, but there is a... There's a quality to it that just simply cannot be denied and a a quality of storytelling that honestly, when you look at, you know, live action, um, anything from 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 live action to other animation, not everything from this time period is telling stories that age well. You know, I'll I'll go to I'll juxtapose this to the geeking out on that I mentioned at the beginning. X Files, right? X Files is a one of those shows from my generation that so many people were into because it was the flagship for like sci-fi and paranormal and stuff like that. Like you basically had at this point in time, if for, for stuff that was being produced at that time, you basically had that and tales from the crypt and anything outside of that, you were going earlier to things like twilight zone, the outer limits um, stuff like that, uh, Dark Dimensions, I think it was called. There, there were several of them, but we're talking like previously 80s, 70s, stuff like that. But the reality is, is that you need to, when you're watching X-Files, you need to shut part of your brain off that says, okay, we may have evolved as a humanity between then and now on the types of stories that we're telling in the blatant objective uh, objectivizing of, of of women and and stereotypes and different things like that and you shut all of that stuff off in order to watch us this is this tells a story that while it might not be everybody's cup of tea there's it 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 ages fine enough if that makes sense mm-hmm yeah, well, it's a it's a classic story. It's the weak versus the strong mm-hmm. at the end of the day, even if they don't seem like the weak. Uh, but it is not really, not timeless, really, but it kind of is. Yeah. It's kind of a bulletproof formula, so it definitely makes it a lot easier on the rewatch. Right. So in in looking up um Gundam Wing the 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 series cuz we're going to jump over to uh Endless Wealth here in a second but uh a fun did you know for all of you super nerds out there for for Japanese anime and different things like that um one of the writers that helped cre- that helped pen this story also helped create Samurai Troopers which to Americans uh, is known as uh, Ronin Warriors. It's an anime that got uh, brought over to America in the 90s and was very big there for a minute on like Toonami and Cartoon Network and things like that. That's pretty sick. Yeah. That's pretty sick. It's always looking into like – 
when or what projects other anime creators have worked on, you'll just be amazed most of the time. Mm-hmm. I realized that when when doing a lot of the research for Godzilla and really getting into diving into the behind the scenes of Godzilla, you realize how many of those creators jumped from project to project to project. Um, you know, it's it's kind of two things that you can pretty much hang your hat on when when it comes to reading about the behind the scenes of the creation of these different IPs. One, you're going to find, um, you're likely going to find somebody who has worked on something else. And two, you're likely going to find a story of somebody dying of lung cancer. Fun facts, that's just a really weird amount of people from this generation that died of specifically lung cancer. I, I don't know, weird, weird correlations. Yeah, yeah, couldn't have been, you know, latent radiation or anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so transitioning over to um, Endless Waltz, which is the sequel to uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. I personally, I'm interested to get your two cents on this, but I personally find it fascinating that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right. Disney since 2020 has been making all sorts of headlines with the way that they've been doing television. And you could argue that Netflix did it first and so on and so forth. But this modern day take on doing TV in more of a mini series format, throwing a huge budget and making each one of a very limited run of episodes count as much as you can. You look at something like this. And how it's been reformatted more into a movie presentation than a show presentation. And, and I, I watched something like this and I'm like, this, this reminds me a lot of what's going on nowadays. And I think something like Mobile Suit Gundam works wonderfully with this sort of OVA format. Because of the nature of the actual storytelling, you can get the most bang for your buck doing it that way. Yeah, that's something Japan has done for a long time is the OVA, the original video animation, I think it stands for. Yeah. Uh, where they have more story to tell. They don't have enough for another full run of episodes. So they'll make a few good episodes and release those separately. And in the case of Endless Waltz, uh, like some others, uh, they make it into a movie. They you know put it together into a movie later down the road for convenience purposes. And it's just, it's great. It's a great system. It's worked forever. I mean, this was two, like right before 2000, they did this. Japan's been doing this for like 25 something years, 30. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to find a specific point when um, they started using this style of formatting. The best I could find was some was some random stuff before this um, that they did it. So you're looking at you know thirty plus years of this style of storytelling, and you know I, I really think that this this style of storytelling blends beautifully for with 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 this 
style of story. Now that might seem redundant, but you're talking about this this drama space space epic with giant mech robots and you're talking about a sequel series that doesn't necessarily have the same kind of meat on the bone to tell a fully separate continued story but more of like a epilogue i guess is a good way of putting it to to the actual mobile suit gundam wing series and and being able to capstone what was already a really good story with just kind of some extra icing on the cake. Yeah, it's it's like it's like one last hurrah for our pilots. You know, like, well, you know, when you topple regime, something else is gonna pop up. You gotta deal with that too. We're like, well, we know. We know what to do with that. So they get back into it, and I, you know, I think the weirdest, maybe the best part of uh, Endless Waltz is the suit redesigns. They, for no reason at all, seemingly, completely redesign all of the like the main five suits. And you get probably the most iconic Gundam wing of all time, or Gundam of all time, the Zero Wing Gundam with the wings, the white, blue, red, the sword. It's, it looks fantastic. It looks so good. Uh, I want to say it's a timeless design, but that's probably just because of the sheer influence you know, it's pretty, if it's outside of your niche, you're not going to like it. But it looks incredible to me. So basically what happens is uh, there is someone else that wants to, you know, destroy the former Earth Sphere Alliance. Yeah. At the end of Gundam Wing, they disband because we won. We're the good guys. Uh, now they're the EUSN or ESUN. I don't remember what that stands for. But uh, basically, an old moon colonies guy, the former advisor to their pacifist leader, is like, hey, I, I don't like the fact that they're still down there. I'm going to uh, finish what we started. I'm just going to kill them. And that's, uh, we're dealing with that. And everyone suits up one more time, you know, back in their pacifist ways, uh, wraps things up without killing anyone else. Uh, Dakeem's own men do not take to that. He's killed by his own men. The, um, the, the ESUN stands for Earth Sphere United Nation. And I, what I can appreciate about something like this is I'm I'm the type of person that I really appreciate a lived-in world. If you can make me be able to feel the world that you're that 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 you're creating, if it if you can make it feel lived in and immersive, then then you've got me. So for something like this, it, it continues on the story in a way that okay so so our our protagonists came in and you know eliminated the major power player and you know the 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 villain of the story well what about the giant power vacuum that that now creates what about the giant hole that's now sitting there because you've torn down 
this this evil organization and all of that kind of stuff. And so they have to uh, deal with the aftermath of this kind uh, of of what happened in the actual series proper. And and I really think that it it tells just enough of a story to I'll say warrant itself but not so much that we're just retreading the same thing over and over and over again. And that suit design that you mentioned that the you know if you think of Gundam you think of that particular design that you mentioned it goes that goes into the other half of the story as far as the popularity of Gundam, right? Gundam tried multiple times to get a foothold in the United States. And until Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, they had pretty continuously failed at gaining a foothold. This series, coupled with the models that started being produced, were the reason why it really started to gain popularity. And it became more of a collector's thing than just a rare hobbyist if you happen to have a hobby shop near you then you could pick up one of these but these started getting sold in you know your toys r us's your the, the different uh toy stores that were out there so it's one of those designs that again if you are of a particular vintage even if you don't realize that this this ip has been at least within the periphery of your childhood, you you know this design to see it. If you are tuned into that 90s cartoon sphere, especially if you were into things like Dragon Ball and that side of cartoons and things like that, this is one of those designs that I I don't know. I I maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm swayed because of my age and my experience and stuff like that. But I would say that it's one of those designs that it's kind of like the Dragon Ball, right? It's kind of like the Death Star. It's kind of like these different designs where you can see them on packaging and you say, oh, yeah, that's not even if you don't know all the ins and outs and the details and all of those kinds of things it's at least something that's recognizable to mm -hmm. the common eye. Yeah, it's... So I, like I said earlier, I didn't start watching until a friend recommended it to me in, it was like high school. So I started watching Gundam Wing in 2014. And when I started watching it, I saw Heroes Gundam, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's where that's from. Because I'd seen it before, it was everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, maybe not as all-encompassing as a Dragon Ball, but definitely if you decide to watch the series, it will probably not be the first time you see that design, at least. Yeah. It, is, it is the iconic Gundam. Yeah. Yeah. I so did you are are did you have any of the did you do the whole modeling thing or anything like that? No, I uh I have I have short fat fingers. So those kind of those deep that detail work is is not for me. 
Yeah, there were two. There, there's two different levels to the to the models. They're the ones that you just kind of assemble, and then they're the ones that like you intricately paint and you like fully design and like people really get into the design work for these things. The furthest I went into it was, you know, the ones that you assembled that were already colored and things like that. I too have very large hands, but very like big fingers. So there's a layer there. There's a level to, to how much, how detailed I could, I could get to it. But yeah, those it's, it's one of those things that like, I, it's just kind of synonymous with the with the time that it came out i think that it it struck right at the right time and like you said there's a timelessness to telling the weak versus the strong story or in the case of endless waltz the bad guy trying to end the period of peace and and capitalize on the power vacuum sort of sort of story you know it's it's that same kind of when i when i first heard about um the the direction that they were taking the new star wars movies and the capitalizing on the power vacuum left behind from the empire and stuff like that i'm like oh that's awesome that's a really cool story beat and I really get into that sort of thing because there's there's a realism to it. There's something to it's a it's a built in storytelling device that you can get a lot of mileage out of. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with 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 Gundam Wing, it can look daunting from the outside right if you're approaching this ip this is one of those there is no very clear cut kickoff point like this is where i start watching because there's uh at least four or five different timelines that exist within it if not more right there's a ton i i could not begin to list them all yeah, the only one that I can definitively mention is I know that this one that we're talking about here is in the what they call after colony timeline in year one nine five and one nine six. Um, but you know, honestly, it, it's one of those things that you the the biggest suggestion that I would make is find one of the timeline starting points and jump on from there. You know, understanding that every single series in a lot of ways has a different flavor to it. You know, it's not it's all it's all Gundam Wing, so at least it's all at least similar in some regard. The only real similarity from version to version is giant mech suits fighting each other for some reason or another. That's yeah. about it. So you have the opportunity to kind of find what form of storytelling you like the most within this world. Yeah, I think it helps to relate it to Power Rangers. It's kind of that that sort of thing. Like there's yeah. oh, there's new Power Rangers. They're all different. Their powers are completely different, but they're still Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a a similarity that you can find from season to season of of 
there are certain tenants within the Power Ranger universe that you know that they're gonna they're gonna jump onto, and that that's gonna be a a, a thing. But the particulars all all do look different from from season to season. So, um, what would you? Where would you suggest somebody somebody start with something like this? Older or go with the more with the newer reimagined kind of redux series that they've been doing for mobile suit Gundam and stuff like that. So like the the current the current like ongoing versions of Gundam are I think are a lot easier to watch. Uh Gundam Wing I think is a good place to start. Uh, and it's got like the 90s pacing and everything. Uh, so it might get a little slow sometimes. Uh, but it's still a good series. It's still fun to watch. And uh, I, personally, I think starting with uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans is a good place to start. Iron-Blooded Orphans is exciting, deep, giant robots, interesting characters, a lot more character development than Gundam Wing which is, I think, it's one, you know, like minor flaws. The characters don't develop a whole lot. But start at Gundam Wing. Why not? If you're confused, watch whatever else you feel like. Actually, if you watch Gundam Wing, then watch Endless Waltz. But after that, if you're still confused, watch whatever else you feel like. Figure it out. It's a journey of self-discovery through giant robots. Um... And, and, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I can appreciate from series to series is that this is one of those series, this, this is one of those IPs that makes you think, questions systems, questions world dynamics, questions, you know, identity and different things like that to, to, to an extent that it doesn't try and make itself more than what it is, but at the same token, it feels like these are these are people with real thoughts and real reactions and different things like that, and and so you will it allows for pretty universally you you to be able to kind of put yourself into the shoes of the characters and say how would I if faced with this situation what would i do those kinds of things that you can't always say with giant mech suit series or 90 series or stuff like that you know yeah yeah so so yeah you know as as we as we wrap it up here you know i i think that this is one of those only scratching the surface sort of episodes, right? You can only scratch the surface on trying to chart out all of the different timelines, all of the different various, various story points, things like that. And, you know, you just have to, uh, this is one of those series that is, is a great entry point to a lot of different, Forms of storytelling that all kind of are housed within the same style of 
in same region of product. And by that, I mean, you know, it's, you, you hear us talk about things like Godzilla, right? And then naturally that conversation jumps over to Ultraman or that, that j- conversation jumps over to various types of tokusatsu and stuff like that, right? And there's a bunch of different offshoots that you can say, okay, so if I liked this aspect of this series, then maybe I'll like this series over here. If I like the big kaiju battles of Ultraman, then I'll like Kamen Rider. And if I like the team dynamic, then maybe I'll like Super Sentai and stuff like that. It's that same sort of thing, just with the animated side. You know, if you like the giant mech battle and more action and things like that you may like some of the newer gundam wing stuff if you like that geopolitical plotting let's think about what it means to have identity let's think about all of that kind of side of it maybe you'll like the older stuff or maybe that will open you up to watching a different anime because like we said these same animators made and and same writers made the same set core set of people made most of the IP that came out of this part of the world during this part of, of history, you know? Yeah. And if you just watch Gundam wing and you're like, Oh man, Oh man, I love giant robots fighting. There's like 30 more mobile suit Gundam series for you to watch and love. Yeah. Literally like 30 something. Uh, it's insane. Yeah, like they, you said, just it, been it started these out. in the 70s and, and just kept going because it always did better in Japan than it did in the United States. And then, you know, the toy market in the United States kind of perpetuated it that much further, you know? Mm-hmm. Actually, something interesting I found uh, before we recorded this, uh, Gundam Wing did not do very well in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, Gundam Wing was... Not the worst performing mobile suit Gundam property in Japan, but it definitely wasn't performing well. But over here, when it came to America on Toonami, we loved it. Huh. I wonder yeah. if it's because of that the messaging behind it and things like that that would resonate more with an American audience than a Japanese audience? Maybe. Maybe it's you know part of the inherent nationalism in fighting for your country that we were able to resonate really well with. Cause you know, growing up over here, we're taught to love our country, fight for our country. They kind of do that. Gundam wing thing makes yeah. it easy to relate to at least subconsciously. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that, you know, and, and especially during during a time where where things were still you know very much up in the air for i guess what is the identity of these people this period of time all of that kind of stuff you know we get really heavily into that sort of conversation when you talk about Godzilla and the the different eras being emblematic of kind of that snippet of history for Japan and stuff like that. And so so I could see that something like this would play differently because like you said, right, you know, I think this 
this sort of storytelling naturally lends itself because we are, and it's fascinating to me to hear to hear a twenty-something say this because it's easy as a thirty-something to look at the eighties and the nineties and my childhood and look at the ingrained nationalism in everything and to hear a 20 something also recognize that and also have experienced the ingrained nationalism of it all and things like that is both very interesting and also incredibly horrifying all at the same time. And, 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 you know, I think that's, that's part of the fun for me as, as I get older and looking at these sort of things is poking and prodding at the implications of it all. Right. Poking and prodding at the messaging and and different things like that and and seeing how different groups of people respond to these sort of story points, because these this weak versus strong thing, we see that very much in the in the nationalism sense here. But I wonder if that same sort of story point has kind of different undertones for a different group of people watching the exact same thing. It does. So uh, it's easy to look at this from the uh, easiest way is just conservative liberal. Uh, Conservatives will see this as fighting for your country, you know, going to war to protect what is yours, all of that. If you're watching it from a liberal point of view, you see fighting against the oppressor overthrowing the things that keep you down because it's both right based centrist mobile suit gundam wing it's both yeah and and i think that that's i think that that's one of the cool things about being able to explore and these these various forms like you know I, I this is this is one of those episodes that is either going to do awesome because it's outside of the norm of what we normally do with the big two comic book stuff and all of that kind of stuff and it's it's kind of branching out from from what is considered like mainstream popular and things like that or people are going to be like Gundam Wing I don't know but that that to me, being able to recognize that various people are going to take this IP and do different things with it and think about it in different ways is half the fun of being a geek, right? Like like what you like and don't be a jerk is kind of the, the unspoken tagline of this show. You're going to like what you like. If you like mainstream stuff, cool. If you don't, cool, whatever. It, it's all it's all in personal taste. And while we could get into the the virtues and issues of both sides of whatever coin, it's still important to recognize that the same thing can be taken by multiple people different ways. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? You ready to wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I think so. Cool. So, 
as we bring this plane in for a landing, what recommendations do you have? Uh, well, I cannot in good conscience recommend that somebody hop on Apex Legends. Especially if you're not, you know, a first-person shooter player. However, I can absolutely recommend Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga. It is so good. It is great. I love it. I've barely even played through it because I've been playing Apex Legends. But what I have played is fantastic. It's the best Lego Star Wars game, I think. Yeah, I. It, it's fascinating to me how much I enjoy the Lego games because that's not really like my sort my sort of bag by and large. I don't necessarily like the cutesy cupcake sort of thing. Like that's just not family friendly is not usually my lane, but the way that Lego has been able to take these IPs keep uh, keep in mind, keeping in mind who predominantly is going to be playing these, right? Like at the end of the day, it's a Lego, it's Lego. So it's a kid's IP producing video games and movies and different things like that. So they understand that predominantly it's going to be kids that are watching it. So they keep it within a specific kind of paradigm, but they tell something, they tell a story that is a good story, but is also fun and funny. I think is is really well done and the Star Wars games are are no exception. Oh, they're I think they're the best ones. Yeah. You know, I, that might be a biased opinion, but there's a ton of Lego IPs. If Star Wars isn't your favorite, Indiana Jones, superheroes, Spider-Man, it like there's so much to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, my recommendation is for all of you Turtles fans out there, um, the last Ronin finally wrapped and wow, is it fantastic? You know, I, we're going to be doing an episode here on the show eventually on it. We want to give an opportunity for everybody to have been able to read it and all of that, but especially if you resonate with the older style of, of comic book for the turtles, but also the eighties cartoon, um, man, it's, it is some of the best storytelling that's come from the turtles in, in quite a while. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so good. I can't believe it's only five volumes books yeah. issues issues is the word we use for comic books yeah yeah i simultaneously love the fact that they put a cap on it kind of leave the people wanting more but also i'm like but like i i want i want more from this from this world you know what i mean like i i want to know but again if you know how how the story ends you understand what they did. I'm not going to go too much further. Otherwise, I will just start gushing about how good this this story is overall. Um, so if people want to hear more of you in their ear holes, where can they find you, TJ? Uh, well, you can find me right here, wherever you're listening to this. I'm on Systematic Geekology maybe once 
a week, once every other week. Uh, go to our website, systematicgeekology.org, to find out more about me or check myself and our co-host, Josh, on our podcast, The Whole Church Podcast. Cool. And you can find me live on the air six out of the seven days a week at either Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road. Um, and you can find links for all the things over at the SG website. Click on hosts and you'll be able to find out more from there. Um, so that's a wrap for for today um thanks for joining us and remember we are all a chosen people a geekdom of priests this was an anazal ministries podcast if you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network be sure to check out the anazal ministries podcast network